welcome to Two Boomer Women. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking with Boomer women for almost a decade now. (laughs) Well, I guess I've been talking to Boomer women all my adult life. Uh, Reinventing myself several times along the way, though, but always focused on us, Boomer women. With this incarnation of Two Boomer Women, I'll be interviewing other women who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at twoboomerwomen.com. If you want to be a guest on Two Boomer Women, bring it on. There's an application form at the website, too. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value. We know how to do it and we must perpetuate the art form. So, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Timeshares. I have several friends who have been enjoying their vacations for 20 plus years via timeshares. Personally, I've been on the receiving end of those phone calls where I've won a free weekend at a nearby resort. It's all mine if I'll just attend a seminar on Saturday afternoon. I will admit I've been tempted to take the getaway in exchange for a few hours of sales pitch, but I wouldn't be buying, so I figured it wasn't exactly ethical. My guest today is highly experienced in timeshares. She's been writing about timeshare issues for 20 years. And she used to be a timeshare manager and salesperson, so she really does have a unique insight into the industry and the consumer issues found there. I know nothing about timeshares, so this is going to be an interesting conversation. Lisa Ann Schreier, welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. Thank you so much, Agnes. Great to be with you. Lisa, can we start at the beginning, just in case, you know, some listeners or a certain podcast host doesn't quite know what a timeshare is. We've heard the term, but we don't quite know what it is. Could you just explain that, please? How does it work and what is it? Sure. In the, in the most basic definition of a timeshare is the difference between owning your vacation accommodations and renting your vacation accommodations. Now, within that very broad definition, there are any number of permutations You might have heard the term fixed week or floating week or points, and we can get into that. But the most basic thing is the difference between owning and renting. Okay, so I have seen, you know, like really nice condo complexes where the condo, the price seemed a little bit too good to be true. And sure enough, if I looked at it, I was buying one quarter of the condo. Is that the kind of thing? Um, When you're buying one quarter of the condo, you're basically dealing with what's called a fractional. Um, And a fractional is nothing more than multiple weeks. Most people get into timeshare by buying even less than a quarter. They're buying 152nd of the year. So they're basically buying one or possibly two weeks a year. Sometimes they can use that at the home resort. Oftentimes, that uh, resort is affiliated with a conglomerate or an exchange company, and they can, according to the rules, exchange that to another location around the world. There are over 6,000 timeshare resorts scattered worldwide. Okay, that would help explain um, one couple I know, they sit down at the beginning of the year and they figure out where their local, relatively local vacation is going to be and where their one international vacation is going to be. 
you know, because they're, they've bought into this timeshare thing. Right. So there are two main exchange companies and whatever timeshare you buy at that, uh, that resort is going to be affiliated with one or the other, or in very rare instances, both those two companies being RCI and the other one is II Interval International. RCI has over 4,000 resorts in its network, and II Interval has a little over 2,000 resorts in its network. Um, not always as easy as the salesperson might make it out to sound to exchange, but theoretically, you can use your week or your allotment of points at your home resort or you can put it into the exchange network and try to find someplace else. So that's exactly what your friends are doing. Yes. Okay. (laughs) You've just given me about eight more questions to ask you, but let's talk about you first of all, for a minute. How did you get into timeshares and, and gain your expertise? Great question. I'm originally from the Chicago area. And when I lived in the Chicago area, I was in advertising. I was a media buyer. I got sick of the weather one day, moved down to Central Florida, and I got a job at a hotel as the advertising and promotions manager. And they hired me specifically because I had no hospitality experience. Nine months after I started, They fired me because they decided they wanted someone with hospitality experience. So I was out of work for six months, newly in the Orlando area. I had never seen a timeshare. I didn't know what a timeshare was. I accepted an offer at a timeshare for the owner referral manager. I quickly learned about a year and a half later, I got my real estate license. I started selling timeshare. But I quickly realized that I was a lousy salesperson because I talked too much. So I much prefer talking about timeshare and more specifically educating people about pros and cons of the timeshare industry, as well as I try to strive, I strive to be a catalyst for positive change within the timeshare industry. I'm glad you used that word positive because... I mentioned that, you know, I've been on the receiving end of those phone calls, you know, sitting in on a, a, a seminar at this resort that's not too far away. Um, it, it seems to me from what I've read is that some of the sales pitches can be pretty high pressure or really long. Yes, um, I, I go a step further and say 99% of them <laughs> are quite high pressure and most of them unless the consumer really is aware of their rights, drag on longer than the promised 90 minutes or 120 minutes. Yes, that's where the negativity comes in. After this high-pressure sales presentation, uh, the consumer is asked to buy right then and there. No research. The price is only good today, which I'm sure we'll talk about is not true. The offer is only good today, and you have to decide now, or you can never do this again. And that's where the industry gets a good portion of the deserved uh, negative feedback it gets from consumers. Okay, you just made me really happy that my ethics prevented me from (laughs) being victim to their lack of ethics. 
it, it sounds like such a good idea. How did it get, how did it come to this where, you know, it's high pressure. It sounds like it's, you know, like they exhaust you basically by talking on for hours so that you just sign up and then the pressure, you know, like you just today. Right. Um, it's always kind of been like that. When timeshares started out 40 plus years ago, a lot of people didn't know what a timeshare was. So it was a little bit more of the educational side. Now it's just most consumers know what they're getting into for the sales pitch, because as you mentioned, there's a bribe attached to it. Now they call it an incentive. I'm very, you know, it is what it is. It's a bribe. So you're either bribed with a discounted stay at the resort or two free theme park tickets or a helicopter ride, whatever it is. So you accept the bribe and then as part, your part of it is to sit there and listen. And they do make it sound very good. I used to do it, so I know. And it's not a bad way of vacationing. The problem arises in that timeshares are very, very complex. And there is no way, even someone who knows what they're talking about, like myself, I was very educated before I started selling. I got to learn everything about it. You can't impart everything there is to know in a two, three, even a four-hour presentation. So it's sometimes not what the salesperson says that gets the consumer in trouble. It's what the salesperson doesn't say. And that comes from what the consumer doesn't know what to ask. That would be me. So you've talked about points. You've talked about trades and all that stuff. Tell us about the different types of timeshares, please. Certainly. So there's basically three types of timeshares. There's a fixed week, which is exactly what it sounds like. You buy week 52 and you go on vacation every year, week 52 or week 21, whatever that week is. Then there's also a concept called a floating week. In a floating week, the definition of that is not the week, it's a week. So you own a week of the year, which you can, again, use or trade. And then points. Points are, instead of getting a week, you get a certain allotment of points in your account every year. And those points can be spent in various different ways. Now, the advantage to a points-based product as opposed to a week-based product is it's far more flexible. So, for instance, if you're going to Hawaii, you can get three days in one island and four days in another island by using your points. Whereas with a week, a week is eight days, seven nights, and nothing changes. Now, the downside to points is that they're not inflation-proof, which most consumers do not understand. So a week, 25 years ago, was eight days, seven nights. A week, 25 years from now, will be eight days, seven nights. Not so with points. The people don't understand that. They look for the flexibility, but they don't look at the downside. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Got it. So... If I sit down like my friends do in first week of January and say, 
this is you know where we're going to spend our week locally this is where we're going to spend our week internationally if it's a floating thing i take it there's there's still no guarantee because if everybody else has sat down the day before me they could already have taken my desired site and my desired week is that correct and then i'm hooped absolutely right so with a week based system where you own location is key so for instance I use Orlando because that's where I live. That's where people go on vacation. Orlando, for better or for worse, is the number one vacation destination in the world. So a Orlando week will have higher trading power than, say, a week in Alabama. No disrespect to people in Alabama, but it's not a vacation destination. Now, with points... Location does not matter. It's a matter of how many points do you have and first come, first come, first serve for reservation. So again, an important distinction, which the salesperson oftentimes does not make clear. Their job is to show you the big book of all the locations and isn't it wonderful? And wouldn't it be fabulous to go to Paris every year on vacation? Yes, well, Understandably, people who buy in Paris are less likely to exchange that week or to want to exchange that week because they want to go to Paris. So it's important to understand how trades work and what your trading power is. Okay, so sticking with Orlando for a minute, what happens if, okay, say I have bought week like just going back to your original one i've bought week 50 in orlando Mm -hmm. but uh, my siblings decide they want to have a family reunion in june is there some sort of a a co-op or a, a a group thing where i can go in and say hey would anybody like to trade is that yes that's exactly what the exchange companies are for so if you own floating week absolutely What you do is it's called a deposit. You put your week, you deposit your week into the bank of either RCI or II, and then you see what's available. So I put my week in, and now I want to see what's available. Now, if you're talking about exchanging week 50 for week 26 at the same resort, you may be able to bypass the exchange company and deal strictly with the developer. That varies from resort to resort, but both of those possibilities are workable. Hmm. Now, at any given resort, is like 100% of the resort timeshare, or could it, would it just be a percentage, or how does that work? Um, several resorts, um, world, well, many resorts worldwide, the, are not sold out. The developer maintains control, and that developer can use those weeks as a marketing tool. So, for instance, the bribe, the incentive, the offer may be come and stay at this resort for a wildly discounted price. And as part of that incentive, you have to take the sales pitch. Now, in theory, this sounds really good. I don't like this at all because there's no 
what's the word I would look for? There's no restrictions placed on it. So if you paid $20,000 to own a week at some lovely resort and the people next to you are renting it for $799 for the entire week, there is no restriction that prohibits them from doing this every single year, which to me takes away from the value proposition of owning. If I can stay at the resort without paying $20,000 up front and a possible $1,000 maintenance fee every year, why would I buy? So is that $20,000 for a purchase of a week? Is, is that a sort of a typical price? Yes. In 2020, that was the average price of a week in the U.S. and Canada, twenty around $20,000, yes. That's a pretty nice vacation. <laughs> well, Sorry. remember, that's $20,000 that ostensibly goes on forever. Oh, Most- no, but, no, what I'm thinking of is if I had $20,000 to spend on a vacation, boy, I'd probably go to Spain. <laughs> that would include the airfare. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So again, it's important for consumers to look at not only the purchase price, which is what you can, what else can you do with it? On top of that, there's annual maintenance fees. There's a fee to belong to the exchange company. There's a fee to make an exchange. There may be a special assessment. So it's important to understand all the fees. And again, this is something that when you're on vacation and you're there after a three, three and a half hour sales pitch, you might not be running your numbers correctly. So it's important to remember all these things and do your homework ahead of time. If you know you're going to be in front of a salesperson, please do your homework ahead of time. I'm, I must admit, I'm, I'm not seeing the advantage of, of timeshare yet. <laughs> so, Okay, but let, let's go to the positive side for a few minutes. I've decided I want to purchase a timeshare. A couple of my friends have been in it for 25 years. They love it. How do you recommend that I go about it? What do I need to think about before I start looking at the different alternatives that are out there? You need to look at your vacation habits. What do you like to do? Do you like to camp? If you like to camp, timeshares are not for you. If you like a five-star service, timeshares might not be for you because a lot of them have kitchens, maybe limited restaurants. So again, it's important to understand your vacation preferences. Again, as we talked about, you want to look at the cost, look at how much you're spending on a yearly basis. And you also want to get an idea of what's available on the legitimate secondary market. I say legitimate secondary market because there is a lot of scam out there when it comes to, I hate the term used, timeshare, they're all used, but new from the developer versus used on the secondary market. So that average price of $20,000, you can pick up the exact same thing on the legitimate secondary market for pennies on the dollar. You'd be lucky to spend $5,000, if not 
considerably less. So it's important to know what your options are and what's out there. You may want to go to a timeshare presentation just to hear what the salesperson has to say, particularly if you're interested in a specific resort in a specific area. Always good to see what's available. So so if, if I do that, you know, okay, I'm interested in, you know, resort number three down at Orlando, in Orlando. If I go to the sales presentation, just to get an idea, and I'm taking copious notes so I can go talk to you or my lawyer or somebody, what happens, like, I guess, are there any repercussions? People are going to get nasty with me if I end up walking out the door without any even going into the conversation, are they? I can tell you with great certainty, almost nobody goes into a timeshare presentation thinking they're going to buy. Everyone is there for the bribe, and the salespeople know this. To me, that was the hardest part of my job is nobody wanted to talk to me. Everybody was there for the bribe, but everybody knows this going in. You as the consumer at some point will sign something that says in in return for this bribe, this incentive, I am agreeing to a 120-minute presentation. Now, what I tell people they should do is you need to be very polite, but very firm. You go in, you meet the salesperson, you shake hands, and you tell him or her, I am here for 120 minutes. I am setting an alarm for 115 minutes to give you a five-minute warning. Because again, what people don't understand, Agnes, the consumer is the one in control. If you take control from the beginning, you will be much happier. So you go in, you set the terms, you ask the questions. Why? Because the person asking the questions is the one in control. And most consumers do not understand that. But don't be afraid of going in, listening, taking the bribe, whatever it is, because that's accepted. A typical developer in any given day knows that they're only going to close about eh, maybe 12% of whoever comes in that day. So it's not like 75% of the people that come in buy. Not at all. The vast majority of them don't buy, and it's understandable. Don't feel badly about it. Remember, it, it, they set it up this way. Mm. So first, I was going to ask you about the percentage. So that's good to know that only 12% actually buy. What happens with buyer's remorse? In every state in the U.S. and every province in Canada, there is what's called a cooling off or a rescission period that lasts anywhere from three to 10 days. Always find out what that rescission period is. If you cancel within that rescission period, you are entitled to 100% of whatever you paid as a down payment or in full, you get that back. After that rescission period, you're on the hook. So it's important to remember, and, and don't be afraid to ask. If you forget to look it up online, always ask the salesperson or the sales manager, if I decide to buy, what's the rescission period here? 
if they don't know, you better find out because you want them to know. You want the closing officer to know. You don't want them to hem and haw. If you're ever told there is no rescission period, A, they're lying, and B, it's time to get up and go. And C, it's illegal then if you've just said it's correct. It's the law. Correct. I'd be the person challenging them and telling them it's illegal. <laughs> oh, dear. No, that's good. I mean, that, that's an informed consumer. That's not being rude. That's standing up for your rights and understanding what your rights are. And, and that's, that's quite honestly, in my opinion, what the industry needs. The industry needs educated people who are buying for the right reasons because an educated, happy owner will refer other people to buy. The reason Timeshare has such a negative reputation is because currently the industry does not want educated owners. And in my opinion, that's a bad thing. So has it gotten worse as time's gone by? I'm just trying to think, you know, whether my friends bought, say, 30 years ago. As I say, they've been happy. It's worked for them. And they've been able to do different locations. So That's great. Um, I will say this. It's gotten, A, far more expensive, far more costly, and B, far more complicated, with points especially. It's very complicated, and the rules oftentimes change. So people who bought 25 years ago and are still using it definitely got their money's worth. Hopefully they use it. And it, it's a, it, it was a little or far less complicated than it is now. And there's also a lot of mergers and acquisitions, which again, my opinion and only my opinion is a bad thing. I like choices. So when somebody like Marriott, which is a fine company, starts buying up properties left and right. Hilton, for instance, just acquired Diamond. That's less choices for consumers. I'm for consumers having more choices. So I don't, I don't know if I'd use the word worse. I would use the words more complicated and more expensive. So in terms of money and longevity, if... I'm I'm just going to use your $20,000 or uh, let's go with $5,000. 20 years ago, I bought in for $5,000 and it was $500 a year maintenance. Am I good for life or have I signed for a term or do things go up with inflation? How how does all that work? Most timeshares in the U.S. and Canada are deeded in perpetuity, which means forever until you will it or sell it. Um, The purchase price is set. So if you paid $5,000 and you've paid that off, you're good. Maintenance fees will almost always increase. Again, that's one of the questions. I have a, a list of 19 questions, but that's one of the questions people need to ask is not only what are the maintenance fees today, but what were the maintenance fees five years ago, and moving forward, how much can the maintenance fees be raised every year? Again, people don't know to ask these questions. So that $5,000 that your friends might have spent 20 years ago, when you divide that by 
20 vacations, even when you factor in maintenance fees, that's a good deal. Oh, okay. So you're in Orlando before we started recording. I asked you if you'd been hit by one of these storms, hurricanes. What's the story on insurance? Like, is that something that the developer holds or do you have to have an insurance of some sort? Great question. Um, The developer does hold that. You want to make sure uh, you ask what type of insurance, meaning is it for a set amount or is it for anything that happens? You also, in a state like Florida, not so much in Orlando, knock on wood, but definitely on the coast, you want to ask about special assessments. Um, A special assessment is if the resort gets hit by a hurricane or in ski country, has the resort been hit by an avalanche? You don't think to ask these things. There is a infamous resort in Hawaii, which several years ago, every owner was hit with a $5,000 special assessment for water intrusion. There were a lot of very unhappy owners at that resort. So you want to ask, what is the developer, what is the resort carrying in terms of insurance? And I can assure you, Agnes, that not a single salesperson will volunteer this information. It has to be pried out. of, and, And a lot of them, quite frankly, don't even know because they haven't been told themselves. But it's a phenomenal question to ask. What kind of insurance? And is it for replacement? Is it only up to a certain dollar amount? And what is the history of special assessments? Phenomenal questions to ask. Hmm. So, yeah, that's, it's really interesting because, you know, as a renter, people need insurance. Uh, replaces only their contents. I realize that. But if you know, the big storm comes or the avalanche or whatever, wherever, wherever we're time sharing and, and the building is destroyed and deemed unreplaceable, irreplace, unreplaceable. I don't know what the word is. Um, it, it's impossible to replace. So there's no point given where it is, given the situation to rebuild there. I'm just following up on the insurance question. Would there be some sort of a payout then? Or, or are you still saying that those are the questions that need to be asked? Those are the questions because it does vary from developer to developer. For instance, there's a resort not even a mile from where I live that was the very first timeshare I ever worked at before I knew what a timeshare was that had a sinkhole swallow up an entire building. Again, people don't think to ask these questions. So the insurance questions that you're raising are very important. And unfortunately, I can't give you a one-size-fits-all answer because it definitely varies from resort to resort and from developer to developer. Hmm. Okay, and earlier, just a little while ago, you used an interesting concept of in perpetuity. So if I buy a timeshare, can I actually then just will it to one of my kids or something like that? In most cases, yes. In most cases, you get what's called the full bundle of rights. Those, those are use it, exchange it, rent it, will it, or sell it. So yes, 
you, in most cases, are able to will it. Now, do the children or the grandchildren want it is a completely different story, as is selling. You may have the right to sell, but I can tell you that the market is flooded with hundreds of thousands of timeshares that are going for a dollar. So can you sell it? Possibly. You're going to get your money back? Absolutely not. Um, in very, very few cases, can you sell it for anything close to what you paid for it? Because there's simply too many out there. Wow. It's really interesting. As I say, I came into this conversation not knowing anything about timeshares, except that, you know, there was this sales pitch that I had to sit through. Um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. Is there anything I haven't asked you? Is there anything we haven't talked about that I know when, when we first talked about getting together, you said that, you know, boomer women often made the decision for a couple, but there's a lot of single boomer women out there too. Is, is there anything we haven't talked about that you think they should be aware of? Um, understand that the salesperson's job, whether you're a couple, whether you're a single, the salesperson's job, he or she has one job that is to sell you a timeshare, sell you something. They're not your friends. And people get tripped up in that because it becomes a very emotional decision. The salespeople are trained to hit all your emotional buttons. But as far as I'm concerned, if you're looking at purchasing something for $20,000 with an annual maintenance fee of $1,000, this is no longer emotional. This becomes very rational. You know, a $50 pair of jeans is an emotional decision. Oh, they look cute. A $20,000 timeshare, not. So it's important to keep this at a rational. And there's a difference between being friendly and sociable and being somebody's friend. The salesperson is not there to be your friend. The salesperson is there to sell you. Don't be afraid of saying no. And again, remember that the consumer asking the questions is the one in control. And I always end or tell people my closing thoughts, which are avoid anyone who uses the words free, perfect, always, and never. And in timeshare matters, you want to avoid the words investment and equity because they don't exist in timeshare. Okay, before we wrap, I want to go to the other side of the table. Do, do people make like a good living as a timeshare salesperson? Like if they can swallow all the hard sell and, and just do what they need to do, is there like a good living to be made? Um, for some people, yes. I think a lot varies by your personality. A lot varies by what it is you're selling. If you're selling a week in Hawaii or a ski week in Whistler, you're selling a really good product that people might actually want. So again, it has to do with and, and, and how much are you actually telling the truth? I found out, for instance, I was a lousy salesperson because I talked too much. Salesperson has have to learn the rule of listen, 
more than talk. But there are some people out there who are making a ton of money. Yes. Wow. Hmm. Okay, I saw that you do have a document. You just alluded to it a few minutes ago. 19 questions you must ask before purchasing a timeshare. Tell us about that. You sound like the person that would have more than 19 questions. Well, there are. Yes, there are definitely. <laughs> this, this, is a good, this is a good way in. This will open the door to many other questions that need to be asked. So it's 19 questions that consumers must ask. And I also include an additional nine questions if you're buying on the resale market. So important questions. People can email me. I only charge $25, $24.99. I always have to be a marketer. $24.99, and that's $24.99. That's not $2,499. But I always say, if you can spend $24.99 to potentially save yourself from a $20,000 mistake, that's a, that's, a, that's a wise use of money. Yeah, I know people who spend, well, I did. I spent $500 on a, on a building uh, inspection uh, and didn't buy the building. So it was money saved. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and Absolutely. that was $500. Personal question. <laughs> Do you get sure. hate mail? <laughs> no, consumers love me. I'm no, no, no. More... I'm talking about from the, the timeshare salespeople. Um, I'm not the most popular person. I'm not anti-timeshare. I think it's a great, a great way of vacationing if the right people buy it for the right reasons. I don't get hate mail. I get ignored, which is sometimes worse than hate mail. I've been at this a very long time. So I think people understand I'm not anti-timeshare. I'm anti-high pressure. I'm anti-lying. I'm anti not having a good resale market. There's a lot of things I'm anti. So no, I don't get hate mail. I'm not the most well-liked person within the industry. Correct. <laughs> you know, and I meant it in a positive way insofar as, you know, like I, I'm sure you really, by educating people, you can be messing with somebody's agenda. Yeah. And, Absolutely, and, and I mean, you are entirely in the right. So please don't think it as a as a thing. Oh I, yes, no, 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 not at all, not yeah, at all. Yeah. I think most consumers like the fact that I'm not beholden to anyone. I'm a complete independent, so I'm not beholden. I speak my mind. Sometimes that gets me in hot water, but I've never. I know I'm using the never word, but I've never compromised. I've always said what I thought needed to be said. And in the cases where I'm wrong, I will admit I'm wrong. You also consult, is that correct, with potential buyers? I do. I'm not a lawyer, so I do not give legal advice. But if people are looking, like you mentioned earlier, where should I buy? In addition to those 19 questions, we can go much more in depth about your vacation, what you like to do, what you don't like to do, and what's out there. So I do consult on an individual basis, absolutely. And, and I don't want you to name names or anything, but do you ever say, absolutely, don't deal with this person, this company, this whatever, because they, they do have ethical issues? Yes. Okay. I don't like to admit that, but yes. There are a handful of developers out there who, in my mind, represent the worst. But since it's not all negative, I will tell you, 
that in my 20 plus years of doing this and being in and around the industry, the one developer, one developer I have had zero complaints about, and I mean zero, is Disney Vacation Club. They seem to do the right thing, which is admirable. So I don't want to, I don't want to be completely, and, and there are, there are better developers out there who are less high pressure, who do give people some time to think about it, who don't hide documents, who are upfront with people. So it is not all bad. Absolutely not. Okay. We, we discussed again before we started the fact you're in the U.S., I'm in Canada, and you've referred to places back and forth um, and, you know, provinces, states, et cetera. Are most of the rules pretty comparable between our two countries? Yes. Okay. Now, how yes. about other developed countries? So if I wanted to go look at Australia or Great Britain? A little bit more of a difference. I caution people. English-speaking people, I should say, because I know you have two languages. My, fr- my French is very bad. I caution people, don't buy in a country where the documents are in a different language unless you're completely fluent in said language. So would I recommend somebody from British Columbia buying in the Canary Islands unless they were fluent in Spanish? Probably not. So the, the rules, the, the documentation, the contracts might be different. The timeshare itself, pretty much the same, but there can be differences. Some of those differences can be significant in terms of usage. So always be aware of where you're buying. And if you're not completely fluent, don't buy in that, in that language. Mm, that's a really good, yeah, really good point. Where do we find you on the World Wide Web? Oh, I'm everywhere. Um, <laughs> you can, if you just do a Google search for the Timeshare Crusader, I blog, I tweet. Uh, my Twitter handle is Lisa Looks At. But if you just Google the Timeshare Crusader, you can find me. If you want, email me. My email is Lisa, L I S A Schreier. S-C-H-R-E-I-E-R-617 at gmail.com. But that's usually too confusing for people to remember. So just Google the Timeshare Crusader, and that'll take you to my blog. And you can follow me on my blog and email me directly through there. Okay, that's great. And I always put links in the show notes. So I will find your Twitter, like, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, no, that'll be in the show notes. That's amazing. Thank you so much for this. Uh, Listeners, if you have comments on today's show, please talk to us. If you're listening at twoboomerwomen.com, scroll to the bottom of this page and leave comments there. We can be found at Apple or iHeartRadio, Spotify, most places a person would listen to podcasts. Feel free to leave comments there and leave stars and reviews. They help us grow. Before you go, hit the subscribe or follow button and you'll be notified about future interviews with more of my great guests. And share this episode with any of your friends who might be considering or even curious about timeshares. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or know someone who would be a great guest, there's an application form at the website too. 
Lisa Ann Schreier, my goodness, thank you so much for being my guest today and so much great information. It, it could sound like really negative, but I think it's the old story of what is it? Forewarned is forearmed. You know, you need to be going into these things educated and you've certainly helped with that today. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, Agnes. And I really appreciate your questions. You asked very on point questions. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you, because I do come in with notes, but I didn't, <laughs> I wasn't there. You, you were talking so, about so much really good stuff that it instantly brought other questions to mind. So I appreciate that. Have a great rest of week. Mm-hmm.